Day one. The green flu infects the first human in the Pennsylvania area. It has possibly been present for some time in livestock. People and pets began mysteriously disappearing from poor and rural areas. Day two. At this point, it seems that most people still think that the infection is just another flu. It is not that harmful. The Civil Emergency and Defense Agency, otherwise known as CETA, informs the public on ways to prevent the spread of the infection. Day 3. The local law enforcement and CETA began quarantining houses, stores, and apartments. Day 4. The government begins distributing and mandating face masks to stop the spread of the infection. Day 5. The law enforcement begins to quarantine the entire street, setting barricades up to either end and patrolling with cop cars to guard it. Day 6. The CETA begins distributing information about how to construct the safe rooms. The concerned citizens build safe room houses in the basement, shops, and houses. Day 7. The traffic accidents and fires occurred all over Fairfield due to the people trying to get out of the city. Day 8. Fairfield Airport is quarantined. CETA set the evacuation centers up across the city by using buses and helicopters. Day 9. The other airports in Savannah and Newburgh are quarantined. Day 10. The U.S. military attempts to send a small force to secure the city of Fairfield. It fails, and all the soldiers are killed. Day 11. The U.S. military quarantines Fairfield by placing barricades at key bridges and highways out of the city in order to contain the infection. Day 12. The survivors in Fairfield begin fortifying various locations, including a generator room, hospital roof, apartment roof, and a supermarket. Day 13. The helicopter pilot began volunteering to evacuate the survivors from the rooftop of Mercy Hospital. Day 14. By this time, most of Pennsylvania was overrun. The infected started mutating into the special infected, and the flu starts heading further inside the United States. Day 15. The last known evacuation by a helicopter from Mercy Hospital occurs. A helicopter crashes in the industrial outskirts of Fairfield. Day 22. Somewhere around this time, the military takes over all of CETA's outposts and operations since they failed their duties. Day 24. The infection has reached New Orleans, and it's declared lost because of the infected population, and Veterans Memorial Bridge is destroyed to slow the infection down.
Welcome back to Video Game Mythos, everyone. Man, it has been a minute, and for that, we do apologize. As you might have known from being fans and listeners of the show, our podcast, Video Game Mythos, is ran by our parent company, 13 Palm Trees. And in order to keep everyone safe during the lockdown, they decided to close the doors to their studios. But, lo and behold, the floodgates have reopened, cautiously, of course. I am here alone, as you might be able to hear. And Ryan and myself are revved up and ready to plow you hard. What? What? Oh my god, who wrote these notes? Bring you as much content as we can. Lots has changed across the world with the coronavirus, but one thing that will never change is our dedication to bring you quality, lore-driven entertainment here on VGM. That being said, as of today, we will be returning to our regularly scheduled episode routine beginning with this episode. Remember to continue to support your favorite podcast during this time, and we appreciate you tuning in, maybe even re-listening to some of your favorite VGM classics. Have you been? Why have we been on hiatus? We want to know. Ryan and I want to know which video game mythos episodes are your favorites. Send us an email at michael or ryan at 13palmtrees.com, all spelled out. Message us on Facebook or Twitter as well, and we'll let everyone know what the top favorite episodes are from our listeners. And we may even marry that information up with our listening statistics to see if it lines up with what our highest listened episodes are. And we'll let you guys know what the consensus is. We're excited to find out which episodes you guys really like and tell us why. Now, I don't want to spend too much time here doing this intro piece because I know we're all dying to finally have a new episode. So let's get into the action, shall we? In case you couldn't tell from the introduction, we're diving into the lore behind one of my personal favorite multiplayer game franchises of all time, Left 4 Dead. Now, not only is this one that I really wanted to do, but it also has been requested of me multiple times. So everyone that had requested that, thank you, and I'm excited for you to hear this. So buckle up, Buttercup, grab your pipe bomb, because the hordes of infected are about to penetrate... Okay, dude, seriously, who wrote this fucking script? There's so much sexual innuendo here. Come on, guys. The green flu, commonly referred to as the infection, was the name given to an unknown virus that caused most humans who came into contact with it to change into homicidal and zombie-like beings known as the infected. It seems to be a rabies-like pathogen, and CETA's designation of the virus as a form of influenza appears to be nothing more than a cover-up to avoid mass panic. Graffiti reading, quote-unquote, not the flu, can be found throughout Left 4 Dead, meaning that the depiction or deception of that failed. The promotional materials from multiple sources stated that the virus is a mutated strain of the rabies virus. There's been much speculation to the cause of the infection or whether its origin will even have any relevance or not to the plot of the game. In terms of the containment, the green flu is likely biohazard level four. So two weeks after the first infection, a small group of four survivors move cautiously through the dead, putrid streets of Fairfield, Pennsylvania, where the infection began. Narrowly escaping a harrowing and unfortunate encounter with the quickly mutating newfound types of special infected, the ragtag group of survivors gather their bearings on the rainy rooftop flat of an apartment complex in this desolate town. Now, fully aware of the mutating infection, Lewis, 
Francis, Bill, and Zoe ready themselves for their journey to Mercy Hospital, where someone from a megaphone announces that a helicopter will be there to evacuate any remaining survivors. Our band of survivors are made of the following. Bill, aged in his 60s, is the oldest of all the survivors here. He is a Vietnam veteran who fought in the U.S. Army 1st Special Forces Group and his combat skills have helped keep him alive. He wears an olive green military beret and a matching jacket with a stained white shirt underneath, dark gray brown pants, and jungle boots. Francis, a tough biker with tattoos covering his arms and neck. His tattoos identify him as a member of Hell's Legion, a name possibly inspired by the real-world Hell's Angels Motorcycle Club. He wears a black leather vest over a white tank top, fingerless gloves, black jeans, and boots. Valve commentary reveals that he is an impressive 6 feet 5 inches tall. Francis has a self-centered personality that seems to resent aspects of Bill's leadership whilst treating Lewis with an openly dismissive attitude at times. Lewis, who we just mentioned, his original concept was an assistant manager at a local retail electronics chain store. His design was later changed, and he was made a junior systems analyst of his company's IT department. His clothing resembles that of a typical businessman. He seems to emulate Sean from Shaun of the Dead, who wore a red tie and a white shirt and was an assistant manager at a local retail electronics chain store. He keeps the sleeves rolled up and his tie loose. His shirt has become partially untucked, and he wears a dark gray, slightly torn pants with a black belt and black formal shoes. He also wears a black watch on his left wrist and is aged in his 30s. Zoe was in her first year of college prior to the outbreak, which makes her at least 18 years old or slightly older, depending on her college entry age. Her backstory reveals that she was ostensibly studying movie making on a scholarship, her parents were divorced, and that she was somewhat closer in relationship to that a shared interest of her father, a city police officer. She wears a bright red track jacket over her white tank top, blue jeans, Converse shoes, and keeps her hair tied up in a ponytail. Already acquainted with one another, the survivors proceed to the hospital and after fending off the infected are picked up by the helicopter's pilot. Minutes after escaping in the helicopter, the pilot turns into an infected. After Zoe shoots the newly turned pilot, the helicopter crashes in the outskirts of Riverside and the survivors head off in search of a rescue vehicle. Finally, they discovered an armored truck in a garage and they use it to escape. The survivors are once again stranded when they discover that the bridge is destroyed. They abandon the truck and head into the town of Riverside. Along the way, they find a crazy guy in a church, and then they find a boathouse at a lake. The survivors use this to call for rescue from John and Amanda Slater, two people with a nearby boat. The survivors are left to die by the Slaters in the city of Newburgh, where the team takes shelter in a rooftop greenhouse. A low-flying C-130 plane gives them hope that a local airport might still be running evacuations. And upon reaching that airport, the survivors must defend it while the pilot prepares the plane for flight before escaping. When the survivors get in the plane, it takes them and they reach Allegheny National Forest. They decide to head towards a military rescue outpost. Upon reaching a farmhouse, the survivors use a radio to request rescue from the military. They then hold off the infected until an armored personnel carrier picks them up and transports them to Millhaven's military base. The military locks up the survivors, and a doctor explains to them that they are carriers. When Lieutenant Mora sounds the base alarm to command retreat, the infected attack. 
Lewis saves the lives of soldiers Jeff and Anne, who in return allow them to carry weapons to fight the infected with. Meanwhile, Bill, Zoe, and the doctor head towards the armory as well. They all meet up there and head across the base courtyard towards an old train. When they get there, Jeff and Anne leave to go with the rest of the soldiers, whereas the survivors and the doctor head towards the train. However, when they reach it, a hunter kills the doctor, and the survivors continue south on the train. The train comes to a halt in Rayford, Georgia, where the tracks end, where the survivors' new plan is to find a boat and travel somewhere free of the infected. However, on the first boat, Lewis finds a dozen witches on board who nearly rip his leg off. They find another sailboat, where they try to raise an obstructed bridge, and one of the generators breaks down, and the bridge stops halfway up. The survivors now face an enormous horde plus three tanks. Seeing that there's only one way this can end, Bill valiantly jumps down and fights his way to the generator that stopped and turns it back on, making sure that the bridge raises with the other three survivors on it. But at the same time, committing the ultimate sacrifice as the infected rip him to shreds. A little while later, the remaining three survivors encountered four other survivors who arrive in a racing stock car on the other side. They help them cross the bridge and see them on their way. When the other survivors have left, Lewis, Zoe, and Francis take the sailboat to inhabit islands far away from all their troubles and rest until the apocalypse is over. But meanwhile, the infected continue to evolve, every second changing to adapt to the expanding knowledge harnessed by what is left of mankind. What the remaining three survivors know about the special infected upon reaching that boat was this. Smokers. Hideous mutations may occur to someone who is or was a heavy smoker. High levels of cancer or tar in the victim's lungs could inhibit complete exhalation and fill the respiratory tract with smoke. Higher concentrations of the smoke in the body may facilitate further mutations. The tumorous growths could likely be additional evidence of smokers having a history with cancer prior to infection, and it is worth noting smokers are at an increased risk of developing cancer. It's possible that the virus interacts with these cancer cells in a similar fashion to how it interacts with bile-producing organs of boomers, hijacking it and enabling it to reproduce uncontrolled. Hunters. Also, hideous mutations, which may occur due to the interactions with elevated levels of lactic acid in the muscles and bloodstream, a result of heavy exercise, presumably from a continuous exercise-heavy lifestyle such as parkour. Fleeing from an infected horde is a rather heavy exercise, but this alone would produce a large number of hunters. Boomer mutations probably relate to an abnormally high level of fatty tissue or cholesterol in the bloodstream, which would also explain the large amounts of bile they produce. Bile is created to aid in the breakdown of fat. The human body's natural bile production would have been assimilated as part of the infection's mutation. This would explain why, when boomers burst, their torsos appeared to be largely hollow. The space previously occupied by fatty tissue had been broken down and converted into a single enormous sac for containing and producing bile. 
which mutations seem related to an abnormal mental state, which could indicate a predisposed mental disorder like ADHD, serotonin imbalance in the brain, etc. Neurotransmitter imbalances are theorized to be a cause of clinical depression. Psychological trauma could also be a factor such as the bride witch, who may have suffered from the mental stress needed to become a witch when the infected attacked her wedding. Since the witch is one of the most notable sex-linked examples of a special infected, it is likely that there is also some sort of influence from female sex hormones, and may also be a reaction to anorexia nervosa. All common infected observed are of thin or average build, indicating that the virus breaks fats and muscles down in order to replicate itself inside of the host. And anorexic women, also lacking sufficient body fat due to malnutrition, would experience severe pain as the virus began to break fats down in her vital organs, which would eventually explain why the witch is constantly crying and so famously irritable. Constant hunger pains, which the witch ignored prior to infection would drive her to seek easily digestible carbohydrates such as sugar. A nervous bride would be very likely to suffer from an eating disorder due to stress and a desire to look thin for her big day, which may explain why the bride witch exists. Tanks. Huge mutations, possibly related to bodybuilding supplements. Abnormally high levels of creatine, human growth hormone, and anabolic steroids, possibly produced naturally from some damage by the infection, could interact with the virus to promote tumor-like growth of muscle cells. If left uncontrolled, muscle mass would increase exponentially to the point where complex muscle movements are lost or limited, and only basic movements would like shuffling, climbing, thrashing, or throwing are possible. This mutation could have been caused by a decrease of myostatin, the protein responsible for the suppression of muscle growth. The myostatin theory could also give more credibility regarding the tank's strength. Steroids normally do not actually increase strength, however, a myostatin mutation does. And then of course, there are your generic run-of-the-mill zombie infected. The infected don't seem necessarily ready to bite the players as the other more stereotypical zombie viruses spread. Although there is most likely a gameplay limitation as the bites are mentioned by several characters. Virgil states that his wife was bitten and turned shortly before he meets the survivors in Swamp Fever. The church guy mentions that he was bitten and shortly thereafter turned. Throughout the series, all playable characters are aware or become aware of the fact that they are quote unquote immune. During one of the several possible dialogues with the church guy, Bill says, Son, we're immune. We're tired and there's infected in the damn woods. Now cut this shit out and let us in. Providing evidence that the survivors are immune to the infection and we cannot turn into the infected even if bitten. It was revealed that the survivors are not truly immune, but asymptomatic carriers. They can be infected, but they do not show any symptoms at all, effectively negating the green flu's effect. The flu will still spread from them, however. While our band of three remaining survivors cruise the ocean's surface, searching for a place to call home in this apocalyptic nightmare, the storm of the infection rages on. New species are evolving, and new bands of survivors are emerging to fight the horde in whatever new challenges they may bring. 
and maybe there will be a follow-up episode of Video Game Mythos to discuss them. But until then, we will have to be satisfied with what apparently is the ghost of Bill living on to be chased by serial killers while he prepares generators in an effort to escape dying endlessly on meat hooks. Thanks again for listening to Video Game Mythos. We'll see you in two.